Welcome, Welcome life group leaders. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Evan. And I'm Pastor Hayden. And I almost said Pastor Hayden, by the way. You almost said you're Pastor Hayden. I almost said I'm Pastor Hayden. But people always mistake us for one another. They do, progressively. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know if that says more about you or me. I don't know. But here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass Bible Church, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of making disciples by reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Pastor Hayden, we're, we're done with Colossians. Done. You know, that's in the rear view mirror, per se, in terms of Sunday preaching. Now it's going to come mm-hmm. up next year in your daily Bible reading. Yeah, so. and in daily application of God's Word. Yeah, you don't want to skip it. <laughs> but we are starting a new book of the Bible. Yes, sir. And we're going back to the Old Testament, or a better way to say it, the Old Covenant, maybe, mm-hmm. per se. is, And we're doing the book of Jonah. And before we dive into the actual text ex- itself, why Jonah? Jonah is a one of the minor prophets, obviously, and minor because it's not, not bec- because he's short. Not yeah, no, it is because it's short. No, not because he himself is oh, short. Oh, yeah, and not because he's insignificant, just because it's a shorter book of compared to the major prophets, the long ones. Uh, but w- w- Jonah is important for a lot of reasons. Biblically, it's important because it shows God's desire to relent from disaster, His desire to see. Not only uh, countries and people uh, repent, uh, but also to use his people uh, to proclaim a message and for him to use people to do the work that he has called them to do. And there's that. And even in our culture, Jonah is important because people know it. People know about the book of Jonah. And so it's really it's really great for us to use uh, familiar texts that people know, but preach them the message that they probably don't know. If I were to ask you questions like, why or what is the theme verse of the book of Jonah? You probably wouldn't know. Or what's the purpose of Jonah? All those things put together are really why we've chosen to do the book of Jonah this summer. And I've heard it's a well of a tale, so... Oh, wow. Well, to kind of throw a little curveball at you that's not in our notes. Now, there's some that might say that Jonah is just a, uh, it's a parable book, Mm -hmm. not reality. Allegorical. No, who wrote the book of Jonah and how do we, how do we know that? Right. Well, don't we believe Jonah wrote the book of Jonah? Yes. There you go. And how do we know that? Because he's all these details and all these things about Jonah that only Jonah is going to know. Very true. And it's something right. else you mentioned in the office that who else believed Jonah wrote Jonah? Jesus. There right? you go. I mean, if Jesus thought that Jonah was uh, was a fairy tale or an allegory or just a great old parable, he wouldn't have said, you know, uh, on the day of judgment, Nineveh will rise up against you in judgment, right? I mean, he, fake nations don't do that. I mean, they don't rise up because they were fake. But he is quoting uh, Jonah uh, as a historical account of the judgment that even Israel is going to receive because they would not repent at the preaching of Christ, even though that a pagan nation repented at the preaching of a lousy prophet (laughs) of Jonah. So, yeah, I mean, there's that. What in our notes, but there's some helpful uh, input for you guys as you're leading your life groups. There you go. Oh, well, life group leaders, uh, tomorrow, when you, if you're listening to this uh, in a few short hours, we are starting a new sermon series through the book of Jonah. For the next eight weeks, we'll be here, and it's going to be called The Summer at Sea. That sounds really nice. Summer at Sea. 
but it's not very nice for Jonah's no. experience no. on the sea. But this title of the sermon is Running from God. And this comes from the first four verses of the book of Jonah. And let me read that to us right now. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of, how do you pronounce it? Amittai. Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. I can't even say that word right. So he <laughs> paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threshold threatened, threatened to break up. There you go. All right, Pastor Hayden. What is the focus of this sermon this Sunday? What we're going to focus on this week in your life groups, in our sermon, is that God desires to use his chosen people to reach lost souls and may even cause calamity to restore those who abscond from that mission. Really what we're going to focus on is that God desires to use his people as his mouthpieces, as his messengers to reach uh, rebellious people and uh, when we don't do that, when we've deserted that mission, when our lives aren't going down that path that God has called us to as missionaries, uh, he would often use calamity to restore people back to that very mission. And that's what we're going to focus on. Um, and to do that, we're going to look at three specific points. Number one, we need to understand that God has a redemptive plan. The reason that's important is because so often we believe, most of us, right, if, if we're Bible-believing Christians, at least believe that God has a general plan, right? But what we believe, you know, as an expository preaching church, as people that believe in God's sovereignty and God's choice and God's elective grace that he has, that God has a specific redemptive plan. And that means that there's not a second in your day and a second in your life that isn't uh, desires for God to use it for redemptive purposes. And so for us, it's to understand that God has this redemptive plan that he wants to use all of our lives, all of our time uh, to see lost souls saved and to see the saved discipled and matured. So that's the first point. The second point is for us to understand that we don't run away from God's word. I mean, this is really uh, the main theme of, of Jonah, if you will, at least textually, right? All we see is the word of the Lord said this, the word of the Lord said this, Jonah ran from this, Jonah ran from that. And even when, when Jonah didn't run from God, he still didn't like what God had to say. And so we've got to make sure that as Christians, that we're not running away from God's word. Uh, and many of us would say that we don't run away from God's word explicitly, but implicitly we do. Because even though you don't see us running in the opposite direction, what you often see in, in churches, even like ours, is people just uh, not following God's Word. And if we're not following God's Word, we're running away from God's Word. And so even though that you could say, well, I haven't ran away from God's command, you're right. But if we're not running to it, we're running away from it. And so that's point number two. Point number three is when we are running away from God's Word, and even when we're not, even when we're running to God's Word, we need to expect God's divine intervention. Uh, something that Jonah... Uh, needed to do as he uh, was out at sea in the Mediterranean uh, and God came and he caused a storm to arise there in the ocean. Uh, that was God's divine intervention to return him back to the mission that God had originally called him to. 
And us as Christians, we need to expect God's divine intervention, specifically when we are running away from God's word. Right? Don't run away from God's word and not expect God to divinely intervene in your life to turn you back around. And the reason why that's important, and we'll talk about it on Sunday, if you're listening to this post-Sunday, this may just be reiterated, uh, but a lot of us, we think, oh, the, sh- the storm happened because so-and-so, or because, you know, you aren't even thinking. Maybe you just thought the storm just happened. But in reality, uh, God sends storms in our lives to turn us back to Him. And it's really important for us to understand that, and that's what will bring the sermon home on Sunday through the expectation of God's divine intervention. All right, Pastor Hayden, as we dive into Jonah, there's a lot of things that's going to be very familiar, but there's going to be a lot of details that are going to probably fly right past us. And so what are some helpful insights for us life group leaders to better grasp the book of Jonah and especially the context? Because the prophets are sometimes difficult to understand because we don't know the historical context of what is happening. Mm -hmm. So what are the helpful, maybe theological um, points or even historical points you have for us this su- sermon? So first thing you need to know, right, the, textually, again, is that seven times in the book of Jonah, which is only four chapters, so very short, uh, the word of the Lord, that phrase is used seven times. That's really, really significant. So anytime it says the word of the Lord said, you need to see that as a, the next phase in the book. And also, you need to see the response to that. Uh, even the response from Jonah, the response from the Ninevites. You should see those because it plays the significant role of how this, how the book unfolds with its content and its theological themes. Something you need to know about Nineveh is Nineveh was one of the major cities of the Assyrian Empire. Now, if you really know your Bible, that rang a bell, right? And if you really, 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 really know your Bible, it rang a couple of bells, right? If you can go back to Genesis 10 you will remember that Assyria was founded by Nimrod. Right? Don't be a Nimrod, right? Uh, it says in Genesis 10, 8 through 11, that Cush fathered Nimrod, and he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. You remember that, that Nimrod, he, he was uh, the ruler of the kingdom of Babel. So we already know that Nimrod's not a great guy because he was doing a lot of not great things. And then he uh, founded some other cities. And in verse 11, from that land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh. So what we're going to see, even as we look at Nimrod's life, and we're not going to look at it tomorrow. This is just for you guys in your ears. Nimrod wasn't a great guy. He's not looked at great historically in the Old Testament or even through Jews throughout history. He was known as an evil, bad guy. It would only make sense that even without knowing some other things that we know about Assyria, that Israelites would not like the Assyrian Empire, and would not like Nineveh. But we also know some other things about Nineveh, because if you remember, the northern kingdom in 722 BC was conquered by the Assyrians. And so that was only about 40 years after the prophecies of Jonah. And so, you see, all this put together, you're noticing a really, really bad picture of the Assyrian Empire. Not a great place, not a healthy place, very evil a uh, very wicked place, and that's exactly why God told Jonah to go and uh, preach uh, calamity on Nineveh. And to add further context, the Assyrian Empire was the superpower of the time of Jonah. It was unconquerable. They haven't lost many battles, if any, and actually they only were defeated by God's hand by 
civil wars that were happening within the Assyrian Empire. And to emphasize how evil they were, something that they were known for was the brutal torture and killing of mass cities where they would bury the people all the way up to their necks and then stick a stake through their tongues. And so this is the people group that God is calling Jonah to reach. Right. And so you see all of these things kind of playing into this uh, playing into the, uh, I guess, as you're looking at the themes and, and the really the background behind the book of Jonah, it's important to know who Nineveh is. And uh, and all those mean things right, are still important. All those evil, wicked things are important because of what God still has to say about Nineveh. And so very important for you to keep those things in mind. And then lastly, when, when you're reading through Jonah as we're studying through it, you need to see the relationship between the Word of God, the presence of God, Versus Jonah's disobedience, right? There was always the word of God, Jonah would disobey it. Jonah's desire was to evade the presence of God. I mean, all of these things, Jonah was just trying to do everything he could to get away from God. And yet God in, God was trying to get the attention of the Assyrians. And this is important because Jonah is a Jew. He's a people of God, and he's trying to flee the presence of God. And you have these Assyrians who don't want anything to do with God, but the minute that they hear a message from God, they respond to it appropriately. So you have these ungodly people who respond to God appropriately, and you have a, a man of God who is supposed to regularly respond to God appropriately who doesn't. And that is really the main message, if you will, uh, to Israel in the book of Jonah is these people over here do not respond or do respond when the message of repentance is preached, but Israel, you won't even respond when your prophets preach to you the message of God. And so that is supposed to be uh, to Israel, a big punch to the gut, right? I mean, these people who you hate respond to God better than you guys do. And so that is for you guys as life group leaders to keep those things in mind as we're studying through the book of Jonah, some really, really important themes as we start to jump into this book. Well, speaking of gut punching, there's always Jesus talking to the Pharisees a little bit, and that's actually the cross-reference that you yes, wrote down. that's exactly right. And so remember, I just told you, uh, Israel wasn't responding to the prophets, uh, but yet these ungodly nation, they responded to the preaching of the prophet Jonah. Well, the same thing is going on there in Matthew 12, 38 through 41, when some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. It's the same exact condemnation. It's like this idea that these people, these Ninevites, respond to the preaching of a just a really pitiful prophet, right? A really pitiful prophet of a guy. He wasn't even, he didn't even want to follow God. He didn't even want to do the mission that God had called him to. And yet Nineveh heard this very brief message, right? 40 days and then Nineveh will be overthrown. And they all just repented immediately. And yet he's saying here, you guys won't even repent at the preaching of the Son of God who's came and proved without a shadow of doubt that he is who he says he is. You guys are going to be um, held liable and be judged because that generation responded better than you do. And you're, you call yourself, you Pharisees and scribes, the people of God, but yet you won't respond to even better preaching than you heard from Jonah because something greater than Jonah is here. So, Pastor Hayden, as we 
get ready to lead our life groups this week as we're getting ready to listen to your sermon. We're essentially, during the series, kind of doing Don't Do What Jonah Did for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And that's it's funny how we actually, in our DBR this past few weeks, we went through Acts chapter 10, and we learned of someone else that was in Joppa. You know, Jonah went to Joppa to flee from the mission to reach the Gentiles. But guess who happened to be residing in Joppa at the time? was Peter. And what happens with Peter? He gets a vision from the Lord to go reach the Gentiles and he divinely intervened in his life. And then what Peter did was what Jonah didn't do and said, okay, God, this sounds weird. This, uh, what do you mean? All these animals are clean now, but I'm going to follow you. And so that's a very interesting, even in our daily Bible reading, as we're reading the book of Acts, how God is divinely growing his church. A person like Peter who God calls him like Jonah to reach the Gentiles, he responds correctly and say, okay, I'll go even though I might not like it right now. Exactly right. And here's what I want you to think about, though. I talked to my wife about this a little bit uh, last night. Uh, I don't want you to think necessarily, oh, Jonah's bad, Jonah's bad, Jonah's bad, Jonah's bad. Because here's some things. Jonah believes in God better than most of us do. Jonah knows who God is better than we live when it comes to our daily living. Here's why. Jonah fleed from God. Jonah did not flee from God to keep God's will from happening. You see, Jonah fleed because he knew the kind of God God was. He knew that he was a loving God, that he was slow to anger, and he wanted to relent from disaster. Jonah knew that God was going to accomplish that. Jonah just didn't want to be the tool in which God used to make that happen to the Assyrians. And so he fleed, not so that God's will wouldn't happen, but that he didn't have to be the person to do God's will. And I want you to notice that, because uh, if, you're, if you have a, a small view of God, you're going to assume that Jonah thought, if I leave, God won't go save these people. That is not at all what Jonah was thinking. Jonah is, is a much better theologian than that. Jonah was just saying, I don't want to be that. And God's sovereignty says, not only are you going to be that, I'm, I've chosen you to do this, and you're going to do it, and I will not relent until it happens. Right? That's trusting in God's sovereignty. So really, Jonah had a sovereignty problem with God, not a uh, not a, a redemptive problem with God, if that makes sense. I hope that wasn't too much, but you just need to realize that Jonah knew a, a little bit more about what he was doing than I think we think he does. Uh, but when it comes to us, sometimes we have a redemptive problem with God, and we have that practical problem. Like you, you don't you don't think that God's going to save these people, and you don't want to be used to to save these people. But God desires to use you in in His sovereignty and His redemptive purposes. He's going to put a lot of things in your way to get you to continue turning back to focus on Him and His desire to see people redeemed. All right. Well, life group leaders, we'll have some application questions to do to kind of help us to make sure that we're following after God's will. And of course, to be able to lead our life groups to follow after God's will. So Pastor Hayden, what advice do you have for us when we do our application questions this week? I want you guys to help your groups see that God has a particular plan to save lost souls. Right? I want you to think about that. It's a particular plan. It's not a general plan. right? God's particular plan was to use Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach uh, preach uh, disaster and calamity on Nineveh. God didn't say, hey, I just need somebody to do it. He chose the person that he wanted to go do it. And when that person said, I don't want to do it, God said, you're going to do it anyway. Do you see how particular that is? Right? How particular it was in that God wanted to use Jonah for the redemptive purposes over at Nineveh. And I want you to see that because God has a particular plan in view for his people, that including you and me and the people in your life group. 
if we just continue thinking that God has general plans, general plans, general plans, we're going to think that he just generally uses whoever, whenever, however, but he doesn't. He's a particular God, and he has a particular plan, and we should seek to be used particularly in a specific way for God in, a, in his redemptive purposes in our city. And so I want you to really focus on how people can apply that to their life as they're studying through the book of Jonah. All right, Pastor Hayden, this is actually a resource that we mentioned actually I think a couple times already, but it's a resource that is something we cannot emphasize enough, a a helpful resource, a helpful book that we can have on our bookshelves to understand God's mission for the lost and his sovereignty. So what is that resource that you put down and why is it so important? Uh, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. Really good book for you because it talks about those two things, right? Evangelism, and that seems like such a man-centered thing, right, that you and I are going out and we're preaching the gospel, but you realize that all of it is orchestrated and carried out and fulfilled by God. And so this book is going to do a really good job kind of laying that out for all of us and you guys and anybody who reads this book. And it just shows you that it is God's choice and man's responsibility. That it, It's all of those things that God is specifically working in the lives of people. And His grace draws people. Uh, and and we, we trust in that. And we know that to be true. And that God is, gonna, uh, God is going to bring all those people to Himself that He has called. And we can trust in that. And so that's why we do evangelism. Because we know it's effective to the effectual calling of grace that God has given to people. All right. Well, Compass Bible Church, we have a few announcements, though, that you need to reiterate to your life groups this week. Uh, First is Compass Kids. Our camps are done. They are wrapped up. Praise the Lord. And even mention that to your life group, what God has done uh, here at the kids' summer camps. But let your life groups know that Adventure Club will begin just around the corner in just a few weeks. August 24th is the beginning of Adventure Club, our Wednesday midweek for our kiddos from there in the third grade all the way to the fifth grade. Sorry, three years old. Okay, the I was fifth about to grade. say, man, we done we narrowed that down quite a <laughs> Just bit get, this year. Three years old three years to old the fifth grade. The fifth grade. And when does the registration open? Registration is already open. Open right now. And it's when does it start? When do we launch? August twenty fourth. All right, guys, get your kiddos registered for Adventure Club. We are thinking that we're gonna have a massive Adventure Club enrollment this year. So uh, to make sure that you re- keep the spot saved for your child, make sure you do register. Uh, we're not into uh, closing anyone out or keeping anyone out, but you know, in the world, in the finite world we live in, there is only a finite amount of space. So make sure you register your kiddos for uh, Adventure Club. And also for those in the Wednesday Night Life Group on campus, we will continue to provide child care from your babies who were just born all the way up to Adventure Club age. So for the Wednesday Night Life Groups, we'll have that provided. Well, Pastor Hayden, this week, the summer camps are done yet, so what is coming up this coming week? We have Revival on July 22nd through the 24th. All right, that's this coming up Friday. We have a lot of kids registered for this, and we're hoping to get a few more in the last few days, but uh, know that you need to be praying for Revival, praying for the students' salvation, praying for the Bible to be spoken, preached boldly to these students. If you have anyone has any questions, tell them and let us know. We'd love to meet with them. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have a parent meeting on Sunday after the 11 o'clock service, and so that'll be for all parents uh, who are uh, who have signed their kids up for revival. So make sure to be there. We have lunch provided. We'll uh, explain to you what's going on, and we'll also be able to answer any questions that you guys may have. And then finally, 
finally, finally, Back to School Bash. We are having a Back to School Bash on August 21st. What's that? That is going to be an awesome celebration of getting things kicked back off in the fall. And so after the 11 a.m. service on August 21st, we're going to have a massive celebration out front in our church. Think of like the Easter celebration we had. Uh, but probably a little bit cooler because now we've been here for a little bit. That's right. The goal is we're going to celebrate what God's been doing here, and we want to invite people in the community to be a part of, uh, of what God's doing here. And so we want you to take time to be inviting people in our, in our communities and your neighborhoods. We're actually going to have a church-wide outreach just a week and a half before that so that we can be inviting people in the parks and in the community to come join us as we celebrate what God's doing. And so put that on your calendar. Back to School Bash is going to be a really awesome time in the history of our church. And then finally, and finally, one. finally. Finally, finally, finally. This is just for you life group leaders. Just uh, you. We have a life group leader meeting on August 28th after the 11 a.m. service. So make sure you just put that on your calendar. I know you probably already have that, but we just want to put that on your schedule way out in advance so you know to be there on August 28th for our life group leader meeting. And when is that happening? August 28th after the 11 a.m. service. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys, we are looking forward to hearing about your life groups. I've been meeting with most of you life group leaders over the last couple of weeks, been loving our time, engaging about your groups and your ministry. For those who we haven't met with, I'm looking forward to meeting with you and engaging with you about what God's doing in your life group and how we can partner with you to make disciples here in the Hill Country. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs>